Well, I got a note from Miguel who says, Dan, I'm embarrassed about being just a housewife. Hey, we're going to talk about what work really matters. Stick around for that and more. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hey, we're going to have fun today. We've got some really epic questions. Just seems like that's always the case. Again, opening that magic email box where you send them in to askdan at 48days.com. One of the highlights of my week, this week's no exception, believe me. Well, this is the 48 Days Radio Show. We're going to take about 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions that you submit about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then how to find or create work that allows you to show up every day, excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Well, here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. <clears throat> Somebody says, Dan, how do personal problems impact work and income? And what is the antidote? Hmm. And then this one, all I want to do is be a housewife, taking care of my husband and children. However, I'm scared to share this dream with anyone because I think being a housewife is outmoded and I may be making a bad choice. Whoa. And then Somebody says, Dan, I'm not in the Eagles group yet because I don't think I have enough to offer. Now, I put that up in the Eagles community just as I'm recording this and I'm watching responses come in. So I'll share a few of those when we get to that question. One quotation for today comes from John Steinbeck, who said, it is the nature of man to rise to greatness if greatness is expected of him. Wow, that seems like a simple formula. So the call to action is, who can you help rise to greatness because you can let them know you expect it? I love that thought. It's one of my son Jared's favorite quotations in all the world. It is the nature of man to rise to greatness if greatness is expected of him. All right. Hey, we're going to talk about our business partners today, those being Fresh Books and Gusto. Fresh Books. Do any of you entrepreneurs find that even the thought of dealing with the numbers side of running your small business can actually be intimidating? I got my hand held high in the air. That's me. Yeah, it's intimidating. Well, our friends at FreshBooks know this feeling really well. In fact, their understanding of just how intimidating numbers can seem inspired them to create the most ridiculously easy to use cloud accounting software. And when I describe FreshBooks as ridiculously easy to use, here's what I mean. When it comes to invoicing, you can send an ultra-professional looking invoice in about 30 seconds. I was having a conversation with my daughter, Ashley, just yesterday about this. She said, you know, is, is that still professional to do that? Or is it more professional to send a printed invoice in the mail? Uh, oh, my gosh. Please don't make me go back to that old antiquated model. You send an invoice in the mail. You don't know if they got it, when they got it, if they filed it away, what they did. And you hope, you know, you, you can courteously uh, ask maybe after about 30 days, but you aren't going to before that. You aren't going to you know, call them up three minutes after you s sent it in the mail and said, did you get it? Because they didn't. 
send it in electronically like FreshBooks allows us to do, you know instantly when they see it and when they open it. So there's no question about that. And frankly, when I send invoices in this way, typically I get paid about 15 minutes later. That's pretty stinking cool. Well, you can set it, set it up in about two clicks to do it like that. So it's certainly my preferred way. You know, the other thing is just keeping track of where I am. Here we are just starting October. My bookkeeper was here this last week. We went over the records through the year, through September, and I am thrilled to recognize, to be able to see in black and white that things are way up from last year. Net profits are way up from what they were last year. That's pretty cool to be able to see that instantly. Know where I stand on that. Well, you know, I believe in it. Right now, FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial to NAU 48 Days listeners. Claim yours. Just go to FreshBooks.com slash 48 days and enter 48 days in the How Did You Hear About a section. Again, just like it sounds, FreshBooks.com slash 48 days. Hey, check it out. Well, our other business partner is Gusto, kind of a kissing cousin to FreshBooks because it integrates, and this is the one that takes care of payroll and benefits. Now, this can be a pain in the neck. And if you have somebody that comes to your place of business, uses your computer, your machines or whatever, and works for you, doesn't matter if they only work four hours a day, they're still an employee. And don't get in that gray area with the IRS where you aren't sure if somebody's an employee or an independent contractor. Now, nah, if they come to your place, you require them to be there at a certain time, they're an employee. So just streamline how you have to take care of that. You don't have to be an HR expert. You don't have to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations. Gusto is making payroll benefits, human resource, easy for small business. And modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. You can check out what other companies are saying about them. You can check out like PC Mag or Fit Small Business and see what they have to say about Gusto, calling it the best payroll system that's available out there. You can just Google it. And check it out. I mean, there's nothing hidden about that. See what people are saying about Gusto. Now, most small businesses don't have an HR expert. You don't need to use one. If you have Gusto, you can focus on your business, not payroll and paperwork. It does integrate with FreshBooks. So all the records will be automatically transferred there. So everything is all together. That's the way to go. And right now, Gusto's offering our listeners an exclusive deal. Sign up today, you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. So just go to gusto.com slash 48 days. Again, that's gusto.com slash 48 days. Well, hey, let's go to some good news here. Got a couple good news pieces I want to get in here, and then we want to jump right into these amazingly deep, introspective, thought-provoking questions that we've got. Well, here's a father-daughter duo. This is up in Canada. They just donated a $44 million ranch to the University of Calgary for the veterinary students. This is a compassionate father-daughter duo donated a $44 million cattle farm to a school for veterinary medicine in order to offer students a unique resource to learn about animal medicine, ethical farming, sustainable agriculture. 90-year-old Jack Anderson and his daughter, Wynn, have been managing this big ranch since 2005 when Jack, the older, the gentleman, the dad, turned away from his work in the oil and gas field. He'd made a lot of money there. They're donated their 19,000-acre farm 
to the University of Calgary's Faculty of Veterinary Medicine. Now, obviously, you know, well, well, it's funny, their only conditions for the donation are guaranteed employment for their five full-time ranch workers and the ability to visit the farm from time to time. Otherwise, university will take on full ownership of the ranch and all of its assets. Well, that's pretty cool. Just one of those stories. I won't go on. There's a lot of details there. But, you know, it's neat to see somebody who has done well, but find a way to share the wealth, share the blessings that they've been able to experience. I mean, what what a fun way to do that. Neat kind of thing to do. Well, here, last Sunday, there was a, um, a biker's ride really in a lot of different cities, about 650 different cities, but there were over 120,000 distinguished gentlemen across the world who donned their finest suits, bow ties, and tweed to sit astride their classic and vintage motorcycles to raise money and awareness for men's health. So this is prompted by one of the one of the players in um, Mad Men who was sitting on a classic motorcycle while wearing his finest suit. Anyway, just prompted an idea and some people put this together and they've now raised over $12 million that really address the issues of suicide in men. Three or four suicides are men. And so this ride that they did just last week had over, you know, over 120,000 riders in 650 cities. But uh, in doing that, they raised, um, they raised about $6 million just this last week. But they uh, are donating this again to the, their charity partner, the Movember Foundation. Well, here's, here's a neat item. College student and minister answer each other's prayers with a note on a balloon. A minister in Monticello, Georgia, was losing his faith and forgetting his purpose until a balloon attached to a desperate plea floated down from the heavens. Michaela Curry is the first member of her family to ever go to college, but it has not been easy. When she was due to start nursing classes at Albany State University in Georgia last month, she was nervous and worried about finances. Michaela's mom is single and disabled. Money is tight. The freshman was due to move into the college dorm without even having a blanket. So she wrote a simple plea for help and sent it to the sky with a helium balloon. Dear God, please help me get everything I need before Wednesday. Now that's kind of a cool thing to do. Put it in a balloon and just send it up to the sky. Meanwhile, Jerome Jones, the pastor at the Springfield Baptist Church, was losing his faith so much so he says he didn't even want to go to church anymore. He was working his day job at a power company when he spotted the helium balloon floating through the sky and lo and behold, it dropped gently right into his lap. All right, now just think about what has to happen for this to come together. I love these kind of things that seem random, and yet there seems to be a plan fitting them together. When he read the 18-year-old Michaela's note, he immediately knew it was divine intervention. Despite being, he says, just about the poorest preacher in Georgia with only $125 in the bank, he spent all of it on a modest mini refrigerator and a comforter to help Michaela. Not only has a compassionate gesture inspired Michaela to forge ahead with her destiny, the fateful incident renewed Jones's enthusiasm for his life's purpose. When blessings go up, when praises go up, blessings come down, Pastor Jones told the local TV station. She was like, you're really going to bring me a refrigerator? Well, also, this news story then prompted an outpouring of donations to help cover Michaela's student loan cost raising over $16,000 in GoFundMe. 
More importantly, she said the act of kindness encouraged her to keep going, knowing that prayers were answered. Well, this just a fun story. Just one of those many reminders. There's a lot of good news out there. Certainly, you can share those. Love hearing those stories. Just shoot me notes. If you think something's worthy of being shared here, just again, shoot it to askdan at 48days.com. All right, let's go into some questions. Steven says, how do personal problems impact income and work and what is the antidote? Whoa. Do we allow our personal problems to impact work and income? Well, sure. It's impossible not to. I mean, I personally have been dealing with some um, lack of energy and I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. You're trying to figure it out. Does it affect my work? You better believe it, it does. I, mean, I can tell Joanne, man, I'm up to about a three today rather than a 10. Immediately it does. Well, how do you keep your personal problems from, you can't. I mean, that's, that's unrealistic. I mean, they do go together. We talk a lot about blending work and play. So how you feel or personal problems that you have outside, if you're struggling with your marriage or if your car broke down or if your rent is overdue and you can't pay it, I mean, my goodness, those things do impact work. Well, it means we have to have clear plans for success in all areas of our life. Not just work, that doesn't make any sense. You can have a great plan for success at work, but if you aren't taking care of your healthy relationships, your spiritual well-being, your work plans aren't going to work out very well. You can't be your best at work with all those other things. So it's not to, to try to artificially separate them, it's to have a clear plan of success for all of those. Now, this is a great time of year to be thinking about that. I mean, here we are in the first week of October, my personal plan is to have goals set out for success in seven different areas of life by November 14th. That happens to be 48 days before the new year start. You know, you don't wait until January. If you wait till January to start defining what success is going to look like, wow, all of a sudden two weeks have passed and you think, well, now I don't even have 12 full months. I'll wait till next year. No, start well in advance. And I'm going to be encouraging you in the next few weeks here to make sure that you have your goals outlined by November 14th, as I do. And we'll share templates. We'll get that template ready to go for 2019. So you can just download it and fill in what your goals are. That's how you help this work all together. So are we going to have personal challenges? Absolutely. But you are as intentional about success in those areas as you are at work. Well, this comes from Tommy who says, how do I blend my experience and education credentials as a BS biology, master of arts in teaching with my pharmacy doctorate? And then he puts in parentheses, I was unsuccessful in getting a license, but I know I have much to offer when it comes to communicating information, and interacting with people. All right. So a bachelor's in biology, master's in teaching and went through school in pharma pharmacy school, but did not get a license. Now th there's a little more, there's more information here and I won't go into all the specific details, but was involved in leading the ministry for a while and uh, talks about, you know, some things that he'd like to do, like to make a difference in the lives of teenagers, which he's currently doing, currently teaching, but uh, he'd like to be able to get more meaningful employment, uh, just not sure what he has to offer. You know, wouldn't like to draw on his 
affinity for you know pharmaceutical kind of things. But this is a tricky kind of thing here. Tricky kind of thing. Now I'm I'm gonna speak to you personally, Tommy, here in this, in that you also linked to a book that you've got up. And on the book, you've got Dr. Tommy in your name, and then P-H-A-R-M-D, which clearly shows that you are a pharmacist. This is a little, I, I cringe at this. You've gone to school but you were never licensed. I think that's out of line to show yourself with that degree. Now I, I, per, I can kind of attest to this personally because I got my master's degree in clinical psychology and then I did my doctoral work. Okay. My now listen carefully because I did my doctoral work at Oxford. So I went all the way through. I finished the entire program for what would have been a D fill. It's a little bit different than the American terminology of PhD. It would have been a D fill. I finished the entire coursework, but I never did a dissertation. I just simply elected to write a book, that book being 48 days to the work you love, because I thought it would do me a whole lot more good and the world than producing a dissertation that four old guys would read and give me a piece of paper. Okay. So enough said on that. So I finished the work. I finished my entire doctoral program, except for writing the dissertation. Do I tell people that I have a doctor? Not a chance. You know, do I want people calling me Dr. Dan Miller? Not a chance. I mean, I, there's no question about that. No, no, no. Even though I did all the coursework and passed with fine colors. So you're not going to be able to get a job when you, when you talk about that, this is where it gets a little tricky in responding to your question, Tommy, because when you talk about getting a job, you're going to get a job based on the bachelor's and master's that you've got. It's not going to have anything to do with the pharmacy school that you went to, even though you finished the work there, unless you somehow actually get licensed. However, if you do something more enterprising, more entrepreneurial, more non-traditional. Could you use that background? Sure. I mean, you can be a health coach. I mean, my health coach is a pharmacist. You can be a health coach and draw on that because you simply have expertise in that arena. You could be a personal trainer. I mean, you could write, speak, you know, with authority, just don't misrepresent that stinking degree that you get kind of lurking over your shoulder out there. So you can do a lot of things if you do that on your own that draw from your knowledge and expertise in that area and the studies that you did. But if you want a job, that's really different. So you've got two approaches here. If you want a job, then just simply use the credentials that you know you can verify and do a job search. But I think you're right on the edge, especially when you talk about having started a ministry and some of the other things that you've done that are certainly non-traditional and creative. I think you're right on the verge of being able to do something really spectacular with all the background that you've got and the uh, passions that you have. Bring those together, but don't expect it to be cleanly put together in a J-O-B. Steve says, new Eagles member here. I'm reading 48 Days in a While. I'm really loving it. I've been following guys like Cliff Ravenscraft, Michael Hyatt, Ray Edwards for years, so I'm no stranger to the concepts, but to see them on the printed page from you has been massively helpful. So thanks for that. So here's 
Steve's question. I'm a preacher, not a pastor. Interesting, the dichotomy there. I'm a preacher, not a pastor. Um, you know, preaching means somebody can stand behind the pulpit on Sunday morning and challenge you, exhort you, persuade you, whatever. But a pastor implies you're going to be there all week long and hold somebody's hand when their teenager didn't come home at 3 a.m. in the morning or be there with a, a wedding or a funeral. All right. Anyway, uh, Steve says, certainly have the gift of teaching. Uh, I also love building websites, internet marketing world. So in marrying those together, I joined Michael Hyatt's platform university a couple years ago, been working to build my online ministry, which includes weekly blog and podcast teaching theology and Christian apologetics. Primarily I have the head knowledge that in order for this to be successful, it will need to be profitable. I've created one product, but it's very low price. No one has bought. I'm working on a membership site, which I'm hopeful for and plan to use uh, product launch formula, Jeff Walker's program to launch early next year. I also just submitted a book manuscript to my editors, which will also go on sale next year. I just seem to have some limiting beliefs about creating products such that I could actually make a decent living when my platform is spiritual in nature. Most teachers in your vein frame find their marketing around those whose platform is business-based and at least has a potential of producing income. Of course, I'm not in ministry for the income. Nevertheless, I have a growing family and working the ministry full-time would be my zone of genius, sort of work, kind of work that you do and others who seem to suggest we should be doing for work, working for a living. How can I make the head knowledge convincing to my heart that it's okay to build a ministry and run it like a business? such that I could actually make a decent living one day. Wow, Steve, this is this is right in my sweet spot. I love this kind of question because what I do started as a Sunday school class. I had no intention of that Sunday school class becoming anything related to business. It was just simply ministry, totally separated from what I was doing to create income for my family. And yet it grew and grew and grew. And the needs were obviously so great that Joanne finally said, if you're going to spend you know 30 hours a week in this arena, shouldn't it have something to do with our income? That was a tough kind of theological transition for me. But when I started charging for what I was doing, rather than just being the nice guy at church with a lot of free time, it was like a dam broke in terms of people flocking to me, rather seeing me then as a professional, rather than just a nice guy. So that's one issue. You know, when you position yourself as a professional business person, be that as a coach, speaker, trainer, whatever. It elevates the credibility that you have and people are more willing to pay. The other thing is we know that people invest in terms of their time, energy, commitment, follow through. If they have skin in the game, if they don't pay for something, they don't value it. I mean, Dave Ramsey with his incredibly successful financial piece university, they know that lesson. Well, you give that to somebody, they're most likely to not show up and not do anything. If people struggle to pay for it, they invest in the process and transform their lives. So you don't need to apologize if there's something you're doing. I mean, if, if your passion is for really helping people in this way and it flows out of what you've been doing as ministry, it's a natural place for you to launch a real viable business. So my little Sunday school class has evolved into having books that people buy, courses that people go through coaching that people ask for, 
We have our coaching mastery program that people pay to go through. We have the Eagles community where people pay monthly membership to be part of that. I'm my mastermind. We have other things as well. We have affiliate programs. All those things grew out of my teaching a little Sunday school class, but then being intentional about structuring it in ways that made sense to provide income for my family as well. So you can do the same. I'd be happy to send you the Venn diagram that I use about the different things that I have that do create income in our business. You're alluding to a lot of those. Now, when you, when you talk about writing a book, I always cringe a little bit because writing a book does not um, provide income sufficient to feed a family. That would be really, really rare. But if you know your core message and the message happens to be in the book, you can leverage that message so people can experience it in other ways. That may be a live event that you do or a workshop or a course that you put together. Things where people are paying you know, $500,000 for it rather than 10 bucks where you get 75 cents royalty in the back end. Well, Anyway, you're, you're involved in uh, 40 Days Eagles. My goodness, you're, you're going to get all this information and more. There are so many people involved there who are people that you've already mentioned, you know, like Cliff Ravenscraft, but there's a lot of experts involved there. You can ask these questions. You're going to get tons of input from people who are maybe a little farther down the road than you, and that's a great way to learn. So now if you're listening and want to access all those same resources, you know, check it out. 48dayseagles.com. We got the doors open. People are coming in. We're doing a lot of fun things in there. Got some really big things planned as we roll into the new year. Well, this question comes from Priscilla. Priscilla says, Dan, I'm 31. Now Priscilla is from Accra, Ghana. All right. So, you know, culturally, we got a little context here as well. Hi, Dan. I'm 31 years old, married lady, no children yet. I work in a bank and I must say I do not want to be there. I feel I do not belong in banking. All I want to do is be a housewife taking care of my husband and children. However, I'm scared to share this dream with anyone because I think being a housewife is outmoded and I may be making a bad choice. Dan, what should I do? Wow. I really should have pulled my wife Joanne in for this one. Just a housewife. How often you've heard that term, <laughs> you know, or, or you're at a party somewhere and it's like, you know, do you work? And no, I don't work. I'm just a housewife. Are you serious? My goodness. I mean, a lot of there, there is a cultural thing, whether you're in Africa or you're in the United States of America, there's still kind of a cultural thing that, uh, being a housewife is a default position that, you know, if you're really in the game, you're going to want to be an attorney or a physician or a pediatrician or, you know, something, you know, it's like, a, don't, don't you want to contribute to society? Well, if you have had the privilege as I have had of 50 years of marriage with a wife who is a housewife extraordinaire, I can't imagine what she could have done in any application. I can't imagine what she could have possibly done that would have had more value, more ripple effect across the world than being the housewife and mom that she's been. Now, this is something where you have to, like we, we, we talk about, do what you love. I mean, figure out what your passions are. And I also talk about that three-legged stool. Well, what about, what about that? 
passion, talent, and money. Whoa, how does that fit in? If you have passion and talent, but you want to be a housewife, did you just throw the money piece out the door? Well, I don't think so. I mean, Joanne, being the mom, the housewife that she has been, has contributed incredibly to my ability to make money. Knowing that she has things covered so well, knowing that I have her support to give me increased confidence has exponentially affected our family's income. And that's what we're looking at. So we're looking at passion and talent. The economic model is that it embraces what our family is all about. Now, has it been different for her individually? Yeah, I suppose so. You know, does she get a paycheck? Well, we, we actually have a pretty cool arrangement that we've done years and years and years where on the 1st and the 15th, she gets deposits into her bank account from the business. Now, at the end of the year, it shows up as just income for both of us. There's no distinction, but she actually gets deposits into her bank account for the things that she cares about and is responsible for. So in that way, it looks like she's getting a paycheck and certainly deserving of such because of the things that she does, even though it's not directly connected with the business. Now, Joanne came out of a home where her mom was divorced three times. So her mom had to work, you know, put very little effort into being a mom and, and frankly made it clear that she resented those responsibilities. So Joanne had this clear dream of being a mom, of cooking great meals, of decorating a house. I mean, she, her book, Creating a Haven of Peace, I mean, people who have been to our home recognize that. You know, we've had people in our home who, you know, and standing over by our living room window start to weep. And it's like, gee, what's going on? Is something wrong? I've never been in a place where I've experienced this kind of peace before in my life. And we have people say that about our house all the time, that how peaceful it is, is their primary comment. Well, that's very intentional because of the way Joanne decorates and his flowers and aromas. You know, all the senses are addressed when you walk into our home. Golly, that's, that sounds like a job to me. Goodness. I mean, Joanne just being a housewife gave me the freedom to experiment with new ideas. I mean, Joanne being just a housewife allowed us to travel for fun or for my speaking engagements. Gal, you ask our kids about their mom being just a housewife. Are they going to be embarrassed about that? Not a chance. They know that was like gold in the bank for their mom to be just a housewife in terms of how she poured into their lives and what it prepared them for in their own marriages. They're all now grown and have kids of their own. Well, Golly, I just encourage you, Priscilla, to hold your head high about that. I'm going to get you a copy. I'll, we'll work this out. I'll get you a copy of Joanne's book, Creating a Haven of Peace, where she really unpacks this idea of just being a housewife, creating a haven of peace. I'd love to get that to you. And I want to encourage you, uh, don't be embarrassed about that. Don't think it's less than. Yes, you do need to have your husband's support. It needs to be part of your family plan for you to do that but I don't know of anything more noble, anything more honorable and valuable than being a great housewife. Well, Keith says, Keith is one that says, I'm not in the Eagles group yet because I don't think I have enough to offer. I'm a high S on the disc profile 
And I'm that steady, dependable guy who's really good at attendance, paying my bills on time, being quiet, and keeping things organized. But not a whole lot else. I'm sure that if I were to join the group, I'd be sitting on the sidelines while others are producing books, making speeches, starting businesses, and putting out music. <laughs> All right. I put this in just a few minutes ago. Oh my gosh. Okay. I put this in the Eagles group. I just shared exactly what Keith asked me. And I said, how would you respond? So I put this in for, for in the Eagles group, 48dayseagles.com group. Sean says, Sean Clay says, I tell him that we all have to start somewhere. This is a great place to do just that. Kim Avery says, I wish he could have heard Ashley's disc training from this week. She did such a great job assuring all the personality types. We don't have to become someone we are not to offer a lot of value. Troy Stone King says, steady, dependable people are the backbone of any venture. It's your persistent dependability that will allow you to keep moving forward when others who depend on the next new thing for motivation will quit. You have a lot to teach others about how to be consistent in the face of changing circumstances. In addition, you're the voice of reason, allowing idea people to understand how their dreams can tie back into the rest of the world. Wow, I love that. Golly. And these are just all thoughts of people who are responding to Keith saying that he's not in the Eagles community yet because he doesn't think he has enough to offer. Kevin Kevin Miller, my son, says, I agree. Kevin, of course, is the host of the Zig Ziglar podcast, says, I agree with Troy. High S folks aren't as prone to start a business, but they do great business if they will. <laughs> he says, I'm a high I and D, and I have no problem starting businesses. Running them well is another issue. Mark Ross says, you have permission to quote me as a high S I discovered that this does not define me. I have a ton to offer and receive. I experiment with new possibilities in order to determine if it helps me grow. Try the Eagles for 90 days and see. Now, Mark is um, one of our certified coaching mastery coaches, but he is a high S. We know that. it. He's not going to jump right in, instantly make a decision. He's going to be thoughtful. If you're in a group and you're having a conversation, he's not going to interrupt and override you with his voice. But if you wait count to seven, he's going to speak up with something really wise. It just, ah, I love these responses. Nicole says, I'm a high S who is founder calling and work alongside a high I. I'm here to tell you that without S's, nothing would ever get done. LOL. High S is a coaching strength. Slow and steady wins the race. Short burst of intensity often lead to burnout and quitting. A big part of the coach's role is to help set a realistic pace with accountability. I used to see S as a negative, and now I totally embrace it and recognize the value I bring to the table. Daniel Crandall says, there are some of us here who love and need to connect with high S's because we are all over the place creatively. Great that he knows himself, but he shouldn't doubt his worth. I'm totally just agreeing with what others have said here. Terry Stafford says he's obviously seeking an affirmation. My guess is he already knows what you're going to say. Sometimes we high S folks just need an invitation. Now, what you're hearing, Keith, is you're hearing from a whole lot of people in there who are high S's themselves. Now, here's the catch-22 in your predicament. You're saying that you're not in the Eagles group yet because you don't think you have enough to offer. You're that steady, dependable guy, you know, does everything as expected, but uh, not setting the woods on fire, so to speak. 
You're sure that if you were to join the group, I'd be sitting on the sidelines while others are producing books, making speeches, starting businesses, and putting out music. Guess who is producing books, making speeches, starting businesses, and putting out music? It music. It's a whole lot of high S's who are doing that. Now, as you already got a little bit of indication here, a lot of those people who are high D and I, man, they're quick to just jump out of the gate but they don't have any staying power. Whereas you as an S probably do that. What does it take to write a book? My gosh. I mean, one of our key leaders in the Eagles group, Dr. Brian Dixon just submitted this week, his manuscript to Zondervan. You know, he's thrilled about getting, was that done overnight or over a long weekend? Not a chance. He's been working on it for months and months and months as you do on a book. A lot of people who are other personality styles than you don't have the staying power to do that. So they just start and then they have another, have a shiny object passes by squirrel and they're onto something else. So you have the possibility of continuing through to completion on the very things you're talking about, producing books, making speeches, starting businesses, putting out music. Now, a lot of people, and the other thing is with the people who you see doing that in the Eagles group, and we do have, we've got a lot of people who are doing all the things you're talking about and more. Some just amazing things. Golly, I think of Melissa Detweiler, who's a, a veterinarian, and she just started a, a podcast and it's, for real, if you are for real, because she talks about pets. I mean, doing some delightful things because she's gotten so much encouragement and direction from people in the group. But the those people came into the group feeling like they did not have a lot to offer, feeling like they weren't sure they could really push through. I mean, so we didn't have, I mean, if people were just high achievers, they're already out there just rocking and rolling. But the people who come into a group come in because they know they need more fire, more ideas, more resources. And they, that's exactly what they get in the group. You know, I got more coming in just as I'm speaking here. Golly. Catalyst John says, would you rather sit on the sidelines with amazing players or sit outside of the stadium? Huh, that's a, that, that's really interesting. Would you rather sit on the sideline with amazing players or sit outside of the stadium? So he's saying, even if you aren't the most active person in the group, you don't know exactly what these big goals are going to be or how you're going to get there. Would you rather be surrounded by people who are doing that or be totally outside of the game? And that takes us back to the old Jim Rohn quotation. You become the average of the five people who spend the most time with. Wow, if you're spending time with people who are winning, guess what's going to happen to your game? It's going to go up. So John says, this catalyst, John, would you rather sit on the sideline with amazing players or sit outside of the stadium? If everyone around you is producing, guess what habit you will pick up? Pull the trigger. Hang out with some amazing peeps. You will love who you become in a year, even from the sidelines. Boy, that is so true. I mean, last week I talked about Jordan Peterson, who shared a recent story. He's been in the Eagles since day one. 
he is an employee. He's not some raving entrepreneur. He's an employee. But in learning what he learned from people in the Eagles group, he put himself out there as a sound engineer, technical guy, video, audio. And he knew that he wanted to be with some venue that puts on big major events. He sent out notes of interest to five organizations in his town. I was in Phoenix. He had three interviews and two job offers. He took a job with the Ritz Carlton listed as the number one five-star hotel in the world. Incidentally, he is in charge. He's the director now after being there a couple years, again, slow, steady. He's been there, but, and the, the, the thing that I shared last week is that he was impressed a couple of years ago. We went and went to a conference and a lady was there and shared that she had a $10,000 personal development budget as part of her salary. And so she came to the conference just because she thought it looked interesting. So she booked a flight and he thought, wow, that would be really cool. That planted a seed in his mind. Five years ago, that seed was planted. So in his career path, again, being a traditional employee, his current Salary package with Ritz Carlton includes his salary and a $12,000 personal development budgeted item. I mean, that is so stinking cool. And he got that. Now he's been very involved since day one. The Eagles community is about 18 months old at this point. He was there as one of the original members and he watches and learns, doesn't say a lot but he watches and learns and it's propelled his own personal path in a way like that. Well, another one here just popped up. Travis Runyon says, that's pretty much how I feel. Huh? Interesting. Okay. I love the ideas and the dialogue with the group, but right now I'm not in the launch something new phase of life right now. I'm just busting it, trying to manage the getting things done phase of life. I'm a high S high C so life is challenging when I'm faced with high volume and high pace of task and people. That said, I'd rather be standing on the sidelines with the team than up in the stands or watching on TV. Oh my gosh. I'll tell you what, that's, that's what I love. That's what I love about community. And I talk about the three things that you need to have if you are going to be successful. Right mindset, right idea, right network. Wow, this is so telling. In that regard, right mindset, you got to believe that you can do something extraordinary. You got to believe that you can get that sweet blend of your passion, talent, and money. You got to have the right idea. How do you get the right idea? Well, a lot of it comes from being around other people with lots of ideas. You could share ideas and nobody's poor as a result. Share ideas and you take one where you implement, you own it, take it and go. And then the right network. And that's where in today's work environment, a lot of people really are suffering where they don't have a network. They don't have a group of people around them who are cheering them on. They're working with coworkers or saying, nah, you couldn't do that. Or you go to a family get together and eh, nobody in this family has ever done that. You know, we're just rednecks. Ain't going to happen. Well, you need to be around people who are saying, well, yeah, you can do that. Now, here's the thing. You, I live in just south of Nashville. So this is music town. There's thousands of kids here who came here because of music. They're going to run into people say, ah, oh, nah, you know, Luke Bryan was just lucky. 
Taylor Swift, nah, it'll never happen again. You know what Keith Urban did? Nah, you can't do that. Guess what you're being told? They're telling you, I wasn't able to do that. That's all that tells you. That tells you they weren't able to do that. You talk to one of those people that I mentioned, Keith Urban or Luke Bryan or, or Taylor Swift, they'll tell you, well, of course it can be done. You know, here's what I did. Those people tend to be incredibly generous with their advice and guidance. They'll tell you, well, sure it can be done. No problem, man. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Well, y'all, I love your questions here. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to wrap there instead of going on. I'm looking at these continued comments coming in here. I may do an update on this next week with just more input from the Eagles community in terms of encouraging Keith. You don't have to have it all put together. You don't have to have everything. You don't have to have a book published or a song that's been recorded by somebody famous to come into the 40 Days Eagles community. No, you come in there and that's when the magic starts. Hey, check it out, 48dayseagles.com. Well, again, our quotation for today was, it is the nature of man to rise to greatness if greatness is expected of him. From John Steinbeck. So our call to action, you know what it was? It was, who can you help rise to greatness? Because you can let them know you expect it. What a great opportunity. What a cool thing that we can do. You know, who is it? I mean, there may be somebody that mows your grass or somebody who just took your order at Taco Bell. I have some amazing conversations with people at Taco Bell. Of course, I'm a pretty regular there, so they know me. But, you know, they love picking my brain because they know what I do. They know what I care about, what I write about. <laughs> you can encourage people like that. There have been people there who have gone under the things because I made them believe they could. I mean, I love seeing that. But what about people who you really care about? Children, grandchildren, or maybe a neighbor or somebody at church you know is discouraged. What would it do if you let them know that you believed greatness was inside of them? And I'm going to go back to Keith, you know, with this question. He's not sure greatness is inside of him. Yes, I'll bet it is. I'll bet there's something there that you need to share with the world. The world needs to hear. And we can help you pull legs on that. Well, hey, thanks for being part of this community of greatness. We're doing things that are extraordinary. We're tapping into those things that God has really gifted us to share, to do, to be, to have. All those things are available. Well, believe in your own greatness. That's, that's the first application of the quotation. Believe in your own greatness. Call yourself to greatness. If you think you've been underperforming or undercompensated, call yourself to greatness. See what that looks like. Well, thanks for being part of this community. You know what the deal is. You know this is a place where we find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Nobody has to settle for less. Not in today's environment. There's so many opportunities around us. Make it happen for you. Call yourself to the greatness you know is inside. 